Thursday, Yud Bet Sivan, a shir in Pashat HaShavua. Today's shir will be given by Harav David Silberberg. And you are listening to KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah, the Torah podcast of Yeshivat HaRetzion. After the shiur in Pashat HaShavua, Pashat HaNasa, by Rav Silberberg, this is Ezra Beck, I'll be back with the Halacha Yomit. I'd like to begin this week's shir on Parshas Naso by asking a number of questions concerning the final section of the Parsha, the section that is known as the Parsha of the Nesim, or the Chanukah Samizbeach. We read in Perak Zion of Sefer Bamidbar that on the day when Moshe completed the construction of the Mishkan and setting up the Mishkan, on that day the twelve Nesim, the twelve tribal leaders of B'nai Yisrael came forward and they brought a, uh, a special offering. They actually, they brought two items. First, they, each Nasi brought uh, wagons that would, uh, that would serve the Levium. It would help them in transporting the Mishkan when B'nai Yisrael would travel. And additionally, they brought a, uh, an array of Korbanos uh, with which to formally dedicate and, or consecrate the, the Mizbeach. And this is the reading that we read on, on Hanukkah, because it talks about the Chanukah HaMizbeach, the dedication, the formal dedication of the, of the Mizbeach, of the Mishkan, on the day on which the Mishkan was completed. A number of questions arise concerning this section. First of all, the question is, why is it here? Why does it appear here in this context in the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar? We already read, uh, actually twice, earlier in Chumash, we've already read about the events of this day the day that the Torah describes Biyom Kalos Moshe Hakim HaMishkan. The first time is towards the very end of Sefer Shmos in Parshas Pekudeh. We're told that on Rosh Chodesh Nisan Moshe completed putting up the Mishkan and on that day HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Shechina, the Kvod Hashem, came to rest, came to reside in the Mishkan. Okay, we read, uh, this is in Sefer Shmos Nearly a year after the exodus from Egypt, the Mishkan was put up. And then towards the end of that section, right at the end of Sefer Shmos, that's the first reference to this day, to the day on which Moshe completed putting up the Mishkan. The second reference is, at least according to Moshe Mephoshim, according to Chazal, the beginning of Parshat Shmini. The beginning of Sefer Vayikra, the uh, the end of Parshas Tzav, and the beginning of Parshas Shmini, we read about the Miluim, the seven days during which the Kohanim were formally prepared and uh, consecrated for their role as Kohanim. And on the eighth day, this is the beginning of Parshas Shmini, Vayikra Perakthes, the eighth day special Korbanos were brought. That was the first time that Aaron officiated as the Kohen Gadol. According to Mosme Farshim, that was Rosh Chodesh Nisan. That was the same day. And on this day, Akash Baruch Hu's Shechina comes down, and the, everybody sees the uh, the fire that consumes the Karbanos on the Mizbeach. That was also, according to many Mepharshim, that was also Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And now, here in Parshas Nas, we read again about the same day. So why are the events of this day, the the Karbanos of the Nesim, that the Nesim came forward and offered to bring these uh, gifts and these Karbanos, why is this mentioned here in this context in Parshas Naso? Uh, a, number, a, no, a number of other questions we might want to ask is, uh, first of all, is there any connection between the the two gestures that uh, that the Nesim make? As we mentioned, the Nesim first brought wagons that they gave to the Levium to assist the Levium in transporting the Mishkan. 
And second of all, they brought Karbanos. So those seems to be two, they, they seem to be two completely uh, unrelated uh, gestures, and yet they're combined here in the same in the same narrative, in the same section here in the Chumash. Finally, <coughs> when the Torah first tells us that the Nesim came forward, it introduces the Nesim as follows. I'm reading in Perak Zion, Pasuk Beis. Vayakrivu Nesiei Yisrael Rashi Beis Avosam Heim Nesiei Hamatos Heim HaOmadim Al HaPakudim it introduces them as, first of all, of course, the Nisim, the, the leaders of the twelve tribes of Bnei Yisrael. But then it says, They are the ones who were responsible, who were in charge of the census. The census that is recorded in Parshas Bamidbar. Now it's interesting to note that this, sense, that this census, even though it's recorded earlier in the Torah, it has not happened yet. Hey, if we assume, as, as the implication is, that the, the Yom Kalos HaMishkan, I'm sorry, the Biyom Kalos Moshe Lakim Mishkan, the day when Moshe finished putting up the Mishkan, is that same day mentioned in Parshas Pekudai, in Sefer Shmos, namely Rosh Chodesh Nisan. If that's true, then it turns out that this section appears out of place, because the first Pesach of Sefer Bamidbar, which introduces the census that was taken, that Pesach tells us that Hashem gave the order, He gave the command, to conduct the census <coughs> That's Rosh Chodesh Iyar That's a month later So this census has not even taken place yet And yet the Torah introduces the Nesim to us As The ones who are in charge of the census So why is that an appropriate description of the Nesim In this context When they come forward to the Mishkan To participate in the process of the Chanukah Samizbeach uh, perhaps uh, the answer to this question will emerge from a discussion of the general context of Parshas Naso. Parshas Naso brings together several different uh, topics which seem, first of all, unrelated to one another, and also at first glance unrelated to uh, what's happening here at the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar. The first several prakim of Sefer Bamidbar, up until the middle of Parshas Baha'aloscha, tell of B'nai Yisrael's preparations for travel. They had, they had been encamped at, uh, at Har Sinai now for almost a year. They arrived, as we know from Parshas Yisrael, they arrived at Har Sinai on Rosh Chodesh, on Rosh Chodesh Sivan, excuse me, on Rosh Chodesh Sivan um, less than two months after uh, leaving Mitzrayim. And they had been in Har Sinai ever since. There they received the Torah, and then we had Chet Egel, and, and there they built the Mishkan. They leave Har Sinai for the first time in Parshas Baha'aloscha, that is in Bamidbar, Perak Yud, towards the end of Perak Yud, that is the first time they depart Harsinai in nearly a year, after having been there for uh, nearly a year. And until that point in Sefer Bamidbar, we, are, we, we read essentially about the preparations that B'nai Israel made for that event, for their uh, long-awaited departure from Harsinai. Therefore, in Parshas Bamidbar, first of all, they count they count the people as part. They count the nation as part of uh, the preparations for the arrangement of how they would travel and how they would encamp. Okay, that's very clear. And when you read Parshas Bamidbar, you see that the census was done for the purpose of the of arranging the camp. Then, from the sec- from the latter part of Parshas Bamidbar and the beginning of Parshas Naso, we read about the Levim. We read specifically about the Levim's job in transporting the Mishkan. The Levim themselves are counted, again, because they needed to know how many people are in each family in order to assign the various families of the Levim 
the different responsibilities in transporting the Mishkan. Gershon had their uh, parts of the Mishkan to, to carry. Uh, Kahas, they transported the more sacred items of the Mishkan and then Merari. So that's all the latter part of Parshas Bamibar and the beginning of Parshas Naso. It's all about preparing the Mishkan for travel. How, how the Mishkan would be transported during travel. Then, after the that section of the Levim is, is concluded, now we find an array of topics which, at least at first glance, seem not to necessarily relate directly to this topic. In Perak Hay, first we read the uh, the tzivu, the command of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that Bnei Israel send away from the Machana all those who are tamei, all the tamei, all those who had become ritually impure, the mitzaroim, the zavim, and all those who had become tamei mace. So that that's the first uh, that that's the first topic that we find after. After the description of the arrangement of the Levim, how the Levim would transport the Mishkan. After that, we find a section which, according to Chazal, deals with uh, the Halach of Gezel Hager. That somebody who stole from a convert, and the convert, halachically speaking, uh, does not have relatives, he's not related to any to any of his biological relatives who he had who he had as relatives before his conversion. Somebody who steals from a convert, and the convert dies, and he has no inheritors. The, the Torah tells us uh, what the procedure is. He gives the money and a fine to the Kohen, and he also brings a Korban. Again, this seems at first glance to have very little to do with the broader context here in Parshas Naso and the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar in general of the preparations for travel. After that, we find the Parsha of Sota, the, the woman that is suspected of, of infidelity, the procedure of how uh, she comes to the Beis HaMikdash and the Kohen brings a korban and on her behalf and gives her the waters to determine whether or not she had indeed committed this offense. The Pasha of Sota is followed by the Pasha of Nazir, a person who voluntarily decides to take upon himself uh, a higher standard, so to speak, to become a Nazir. He doesn't drink wine, he doesn't cut his hair, and he doesn't become Tamei. That, uh, that also appears in the section. And then we have the Mitzvah of Pirkat Kohanim, the, the bracha that the Kohanim are to with which the Kohanim are to bless Pinay Yisrael each day. All that comes before the section of the Nesim, of the Chanukah Samizbeach. And the question, of course, becomes, how do we determine the reason for this uh, structure here in Parshas Nasa? What do all these topics have to do with one another? And how do all these topics fit into the broader context of the beginning of Sefer Bamibur? And what the answer seems to be, the most obvious answer would be, is that the Torah, in the middle of Parshas Naso, it shifts from the technical or practical arrangements of travel to what we might describe as the spiritual preparations for travel. In order to prepare B'nai Yisrael for traveling, first HaKadosh Baruch Hu issues the command to uh, conduct a census, and he commands the Levim to arrange themselves in such a way that the Mishkan could be transported efficiently when B'nai Yisrael are traveling. And after that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu then moves on to the spiritual preparations that are necessary for B'nai Israel to travel. The most obvious uh, component of these preparations is the command that all the Tameim leave the camp. Uh, what this shows us is that the entire camp is, is seen uh, to one extent or another as an extension of sorts of the Beis HaMikdash, of the Mishkan. That, of course, the, no Tameim were allowed in the Mishkan and uh, and Certain Tumeyim were excluded from the entire Machana, from the entire camp uh, generally. Uh, 
So this is again part of the spiritual preparations. Without going into the, into uh, the whole explanation as to how, what exactly is tuma and why tuma is considered uh, abhorrent in the context of the Mishkan, what it does show is that the machane is supposed to assume it's supposed to take on a certain spiritual quality which would be compromised by the presence of these tumayim. So that's the first stage of the preparation of the camp for traveling. From there, the Torah moves on to the parasha of Gezel Hager. This, of course, has to do with with the ethical element, the element of preparing preparing the machane in terms of proper treatment of the underprivileged, the gayrim, the foreigners, the people who would normally be taken advantage of. Even their needs have to, even their property has to be cared for. They have to be shown uh, proper respect and and consideration. I find it striking that in this halacha we find that the kohen, the quote unquote spiritual elite the religious aristocracy, if you will, of B'nai Yisrael, it is the Kohen who takes the place of the Ger. That the Kohen is at the center, who lives, who, who officiates in the Mishkan, he is now filling the role of the Ger, who is generally seen as uh, on the outskirts, as in the periphery of the nation. <coughs> this too is part of B'nai Yisrael's preparation for travel. The sensitivity and the proper treatment of even the uh, the people of the camp who would otherwise be perhaps uh, taken advantage of and not treated the way they should be. And from there the Torah moves on to the Halakha of Sota, which means that even in the privacy of one's home there should be a certain sense of stability, a certain sense of Shalom Bayez. Chazal tell us that uh, when they... The, the, the Torah says that the coin has to... Uh, he, or he writes down a certain text that the Torah outlines here in this parsha, the Kohen has to erase it into the water that he gives the Sota to drink. And that text includes the Shem Hashem. And Chazal comment that HaKashroch is willing to have his name erased for the sake of Shalom Bayez. What we see from that comment is that Sota is about Shalom Bayez. It's about uh, eliminating any suspicions, any tension that there might be between husband and wife. And that too is part, apparently, is part of the spiritual preparations that B'nai Israel must undergo as they prepare to travel. And from here we come to the Parsha of Nazir. The institution of Nazirus allows for a person to uh, take upon himself a higher standard. In particular, what it allows for is for the Nazir to be, on a certain level, to be like the Kohen. The three Isurim that a Nazir takes on are, number one, he cannot drink wine, he can't come in contact with, uh, with um, dead bodies, and number three, he must let his hair grow. If you look carefully, you'll see that all three really involve the institution of kahuna. The most obvious, of course, is the uh, the Isra Tumas, uh, the Isra Tumas mace, that he cannot come in contact with uh, the impurity, with the tuma of dead bodies. But also the Tzivui, the command, the, the Isra against drinking wine, that's also reminiscent of the Kohanim. The Kohanim are, as we know from Prashat Shemini, they're forbidden from drinking wine before they go into the Beis HaMikdash, they're not allowed to serve, to officiate in the Mishkan, in the Beis HaMikdash, while they're uh, under the influence of alcohol. And that too could be part of this parallel between the Nazir and the Kohen. And finally, <coughs> the prohibition against uh, cutting his hair, even though this does not apply to Kohanim, in fact, uh, to the contrary, in Parshish Emor, we read that Kohanim are not allowed to, to let their hair grow. Um, nevertheless, if you, if you look carefully, the the Torah, the, 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 when the Torah introduces this Isser, it says in Perak Vav, Pasakei, Throughout his period of Nazirus Kadoshihia, Gadel Pera Sa'arosho. It's a sign of Kedusha. 
that growing his hair long, that is his uh, insignia, so to speak, of his Kedusha. And furthermore, if you look later on, when it talks about when it talks about the uh, the case of a Nazar who does accidentally become Tamei, he happens to be he happens to come in contact with uh, with Tumas Meis. It says that he may rosh nizro, that his head becomes Tamei, and likewise, meaning that apparently it, is, it was a sign of something special. And also in Parag Zion here it says that he's not allowed to come into contact with any Tuma, even to his relatives. Why? Ki nezer elohav al rosho. Because the crown of his God is on his head. Okay, very similar terminology is used in Parshas Emor when talking about the Kohen Gadol. Ki nezer alav ani Hashem. And it could be that the, the Kohen Gadol, he, has the, he wears the tzitz that says Kadosh Lashem. The tzitz is the... Tzitz is the um, is the head plate that the Kohen Gadol wears on his forehead, which says the words Kadoshiyah. It it broadcasts, it announces his status as Kadusha, as as Kadosh, excuse me. And here with the Nazir, <coughs> his uh, tzitz, so to speak, is his grown hair. As the Torah says, Kadoshiyah Gadol Peres Arosho. That it, it's the long hair that announces Kadosh Lashem that he is uh, that he is Kadosh. How hair does that is uh, for a separate discussion. But the point here is that, is that the Nazir, what he's trying to do is he's, to be, he's trying to become like a Kohen. And this is yet another example of how here in Parshas Naso, the Torah is trying to prepare the Machaneh in such a way that it becomes, in a sense, somewhat resembling the Mishkan itself. That's why Tameyam are not allowed. That's why um, ethically it has to be on a higher standard, in, such as things, issues involving Gezel Hager and uh, domestic issues between husband and wife. And not only that, but even the Nazir uh, is given the opportunity to be like a Kohen. And in that sense, the camp is becoming like the Mishkan. It's becoming somewhat resembling the Mishkan, and that's part of the, its preparation for travel. And in order to explain um, why this is the case, I'd like to quote for you just one brief line from the Nitziv's Perish Hamek Dover towards the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar, where he writes... B'nai Israel were forced, they had no choice, they had to cross this uh, dangerous, desolate Midbar until they, be, until they arrive in the settled area of Eretz Israel. And this was possible only with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence. They were compared at that moment, B'nai Israel traveling, they were, they were comparable to the situation of a king who was leading an army through a dangerous area, through a midbar, to wage war. <coughs> that Benesha were traveling the midbar, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was leading them. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was leading them to war against, against uh, the Canaanim in Eretz Israel. And therefore, just like the presence of a king in a camp invariably must affect the entire nature, the entire aura, the entire environment of the camp, similarly, in this case, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence among B'nai Yisrael had to, uh, had, to, had to establish a certain quality, a certain aura, and a certain environment to that camp. And therefore, part of the preparation was not only to 
um, <clears throat> to count, but to technically arrange the machana in an efficient manner. That how to arrange how each uh, sheva would be positioned, how they would travel, and how how they would encamp. But also, of course, is to ensure the spiritual quality of the machana as well, and that Hakadosh presence, the presence of the shechina in machana Yisrael traveling in the middle, that has to have its its impact upon the rest of the camp. And therefore, we find in these mitzvahs that are spread throughout Parshas Naso, we find this theme of, of the Machina Yisrael becoming like a Machina Shechina. That the entire camp had to take on that, that, that quality, that godlike quality, because they're traveling with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They're HaKadosh Baruch Hu's entourage. He's leading them to battle in Eretz Yisrael, and therefore the entire nature of the Machina has to reflect um, that element. It has to reflect his presence among B'nai Yisrael. And with that in mind, now perhaps we can come back to the section of the Nesim. The This aspect of the Hanukkah HaMizbeach, this event of the several events that took place on Rosh Chodesh Nisan appears here in Parshas Naso because it is part of B'nai Yisrael's preparation for travel. The Nesim, who, as we know from Parshas Bamidba, were assigned the task of conducting the census, they were the ones who were responsible for the technical preparations. Here we find that they are now that, that they now come forth to get involved as well in the spiritual preparations. The Mishkan has to be formally consecrated as the as the um, as the house of the Shechina, as the place where the Shechina travels, in or as part of B'nai Yisrael's preparation for travel. They can only travel with HaKadosh Baruch in their midst. The only way they can make it to Eretz Yisrael, the only way they can succeed when they get to Eretz Yisrael, is if they have HaKadosh Baruch among them. And to that end, the Nesim come forward to consecrate, to formally consecrate the Mishkan, to establish it as the Makam, as the Makam HaShechina. And that's why this section, this narrative, of the Kaban of the Nesim is an integral part of B'nai Yisrael's preparation for travel because they're traveling not just as a nation that's traveling to Eretz Yisrael to, set to, uh, to wage war against the country but they're traveling together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and therefore there's a, this connection between the Nesim the ones who are in charge of the preparations and the Mishkan this direct um, contact between the Nesim and the Mishkan is of such is of such cr- critical importance as part of this process of B'nai Israel's preparation for travel. Uh, it's interesting to note that when the Levim come forth, there seems to be a bit of a hesitation on Moshe's part. The Nesim come forth with their uh, wagons and with their karban, and it says in the paragraph, Hashem has to tell Moshe that you can accept their gift and their karban. Akash Baruch has to first. Akash Baruch tells Moshe to accept the wagons, and then Akash Baruch tells Moshe to accept their their kabbanos as well. In pasuk Yiralev, Vayom Hashem Moshe, Nasi Echad Ayom, Nasi Echad Ayom, Yakrivos Kabbanam. Why is there this hesitation? I saw one of the Ram here in the yeshiva, Ravamam Bazak. He suggested that uh, Moshe was perhaps somewhat, somewhat ambivalent because this is the first time where we see any initiative regarding the Mishkan taken on behalf of people other than the Kohanim. Until now, certainly in part in Sefer Vayikra, it is only the Kohanim. They are the only ones who are involved directly in in the rituals in the Mishkan. Here, the Nesim come forward with uh, and they take and they take this initiative. And in fact, uh, I would add that the Torah specifically emphasizes. That they that the Nesim came forth and they stood. That they that they came and brought everything right to the Mishkan, and 
Moshe was at first uh, somewhat hesitant. And then Hashem Baruch told him, "No, no, the Nesim too have to be involved. They too have to be involved in this process because part of Bnei Yisrael's preparation for travel again is that the Mishkan exerts its influence. It determines a certain quality. It establishes a certain quality among the entire Machina of Bnei Yisrael." And that's why the Nisim's direct exposure to the Mishkan, their direct involvement in the Mishkan, is is of is, is of such importance as part of this process. And of course, this might also explain why um, why there seems to be a connection between the two gifts that the Nisim brought: the Karbanos on the one hand, and the wagons to the Levim on the other hand, because that's exactly what this offering of the Nisim is all about. It's about it's about the connection between the technical aspects of travel and the religious, the spiritual influence of the Mishkan. And they are, that's exactly what they're doing, they're trying to establish this connection between um, between the two, between the agalos, between the practical necessities of travel and the uh, spiritual quality that uh, is required for B'nai Yisrael to proceed, to leave Har Sinai and to go on their way to, uh, to Eretz Yisrael. And of course, as we read next week in Parshas Baaloscha, we see that this uh, ultimately, unfortunately, did not work. Unfortunately, Bnei Israel were not capable of living up to the expectations that are uh, that are required of a nation that's accompanying God to, uh, to Eretz Israel. If they are to be, if they are to travel with the Shechina in their midst, then of course they have to they have to live on a certain madrega. They have to follow a certain code, which uh, unfortunately they failed to live up to. And this is true, of course, in life in general, that we have, uh, if we want the Shekhinah to be among us, if we want to have a Kadosh Baruch Hu as an important part of our lives, then it's not enough to have him there only when only when we need him. That he should be there only in uh, only in the shul and only in the yeshiva, but of course the presence of the Shekhinah, this influence has to be exerted throughout um, the entirety of the machana, throughout all areas of a person's life, all areas of life must be affected by the presence of the Shechina among B'nai Yisrael and certainly within the life of every single member of the Jewish people. Shabbat Shalom. You've been listening to the Shir of Harav Silverberg in uh, Parshat HaShavua, Parshat Nasov. Now for today's Halachayomit. We're getting close to the end of davening. Uh, after Tachanun, you have what we call Ashrei Uvalet Zion. Ashrei, the Gemara in Vachat has a statement that says, one who says Ashrei three times a day, Muftah lo shu ben He is guaranteed a place in the world to come. That's the variant, the, the version that we have in our Gemara. There is another variant uh, version that doesn't say the words three times a day. But based on our Gemara, that one should say Ashrei three times a day, that explains the Minag we have of saying Ashrei once before Shemar Ashrei in Pesukei We say Ashrei again at the end of tefillah and a third time before before mincha it should be noted it doesn't say you have to do it it's a recommendation it's good for you you are guaranteed a place in the world to come that explains why Ashrei is here Uvalet is a different uh, a different portion Uvalet contains a Kedusha it's called in the language of Chazal Kedusha de Sidra it's a Kedusha that's said not in Shemon but it's Mesudar at the end at the end of Davening is this a real Kedusha or not? The difference would be if it's a real Kedusha, you couldn't say it without a minion. The minigas say it without a minion. Similar to the Kedusha that appears before Kriyat Shema. Also we have Kedusha in the Brachot of Kriyat Shema. 
And the same question arose in the Rishonim. The Ramah, for instance, Paskin, is that one should skip Kedusha there if you're not davening with the Minyan. The answer and the meaning that we have is based on this answer is that it's not a real Kedusha, it's a citation. You're not saying Kedusha, you're not sanctifying the name of God. You're simply stating that the angels would say these Psukim and you're just mentioning that there is a Kedusha. If that's true, you will ask, then why do we say? Why is it so important? I mean, why do we have to all of a sudden mention that a Kedusha exists and it was said by, it was said by the angels? So I suspect, I suspect that the reason is that when we're getting now ready to leave the Beit HaKneset, when you're in Beit HaKneset, you're in the presence of God. We say Kedusha. It's the place of God's sanctity and we sanctify God. You're going now into the real world. In the real world, it's difficult, if not impossible, to sanctify the name of God. The situation isn't that Kedusha is a natural given. But it's important to remind ourselves that at any moment, God's name is being sanctified. So to speak, the angels, the heavenly court, sanctifies God's name at all times. And even when we're wandering in the secular world, doing what we have to do, we should take with us the knowledge that the Kedusha that we say continues outside. I think the explanation might be based on a Gemara, which explains that the angels can only say Kedusha after we say it first. So then, putting two and two together, if we say Kedusha in Shimon then the angels carry on our work, they're able to continue what we're doing, even when we're not saying Kedusha. And they're the bridge between one visit and the next to the Beit HaKneset. In the objective world, the sanctity of God continues, we have in fact initiated it, but it's maintained outside of our own particular saying, and we mention that before we leave the Beit HaKneset, when we say, Ashrayu Vadatziyah. And that is all for today. Tomorrow, I'll be back with the program for Erev Shabbat, for Pashat Nasal. It won't be easy for me, since we're reading Pashat Baradotcha here in Eretz Yisrael, but I'll do my best to talk about Pashat Nasal for those of you who are listening in Chutz Daaretz. And until then, Kol Tov, You've been listening to KMTT, Ki Mitzion Titzei Torah, the Torah podcast, broadcast from Yeshivat HaRetzion here in Alon Shfut in Eretz Yisrael. And this has been Ezra Beck, wishing you call to Vibakat HaTorah, Mitzion, Umei And you'll be hearing from us tomorrow.